about three to four years ago, my good friend Sean, who leads a church uh, on the South Shore of Boston, uh, encouraged me to buy a book and read it, a book called The Art of Neighboring. He said, as you start your church, you're going to want your whole launch team to be in on this uh, idea that are, these ideas that are described in this book. And I did what most people do when they're given advice. I just kind of put it in the back of my mind, didn't even do anything about it until about three years later when uh, finally I'd got a copy of the book and we were sitting. Uh, here's, this is the book, The Art of Neighboring. We've been uh, encouraging you to grab a copy. We, we've got some copies that we can get to you. So uh, if you want a copy soon, uh, reach out to us. We'll get one to you. Um, uh, two, or th two or three years later, I was sitting on the beach with some friends just last summer, dur actually during the lockdown, we were on the beach. Um, a Good Harbor Beach, and I took this book with me. Finally, I started reading it. Uh, amidst the, the, the day that we were spending on the beach, I spent all day reading that book. Now, I never do this. Not do I never read a book on a beach, but I never read a whole book in a day. It's just not the way I'm wired and the way that kind of stuff works for us. Um, but the ideas in this, book, in this book grabbed me so much. I came back and I said to our staff, I'm like, we have got to do something with the ideas uh, talked about in the art of neighboring. In fact, we need to do a series at the church like now. We've got to get this going on. And everybody had more sense than me and was letting me know, listen, uh, neighboring's kind of not existing at the moment. We're in a lockdown and we can't really do a lot about the, some of the things you're talking about. Um, and we've pushed it back two or three times, but I believe that now is the perfect time over these next few weeks during the month of May, every week for the month of May, we're going to be considering the ideas in this book. And that's why I want to, want to encourage you to buy it because we're going to be uh, studying it, thinking about it, uh, giving examples of how this can work in our neighborhood and in, in our towns. Uh, about 10 years ago, the authors, um, Dave Runyon and Jay Pathak, were pastors in the greater Denver area, and they sat down with the mayor of Arveda, Colorado, where they lived. And they said, what, what is it that we can do as pastors to better our city? We want to be able to serve. We want to be able to strengthen the place that, that our churches have been placed. And the mayor and his staff pretty much said to these two guys and a team of other pastors, they said, if you really want to make an impact, how about you start a neighboring movement? Now, to, to leaders of churches, this just kind of sounds lame. Like, what are we going to do? Shovel people's driveways? Is, is that it? Like, we want to make a massive difference, something that will, that will make a difference um, uh, in, a, in the world for years to come. But when you think about it, neighboring, if Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself, maybe, maybe there's something about that phrase that we could unpack that could have the greatest impact ever on the places and the cities and towns we live. Now, could it be that Jesus, who, think about this, Jesus, the smartest guy that ever walked the face of the earth, he knew something when it came to, to, to being able to, to define what it was that was going to be able to bring change, lasting change to our communities and our world. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. Imagine if, if all of us in, in our church and anyone hearing this this morning decided all across New England and around the, around the country, we decided we are going to reach out, we are going to reach out just to those around us, just to our neighbors. And uh, you know, there's some data about neighboring that these, this mayor and, and his staff uh, told these two pastors. They said, you know, there's statistics about neighboring that people who have close bonds 
with the people around them live longer. That communities where, uh, where uh, neighbours know each other's names result in 60% less crime in those neighbourhoods. And uh, check this out, and you've seen this before, whenever there's a natural disaster anywhere in the country or really around the world, you, you hear of the systems uh, being overwhelmed and the, the first people to reach out to one another. Who is it? It's neighbours. And this mayor said to the group of, of, of pastors, they said this statement, and this is where those two pastors and the others were just, were just like, this is where this is enormously convicting. They said to them, you don't think that we can look across our city, do you? And we can see that there's an actual difference between the way that Christians and non-Christians treat their neighbors, do you? And at this point, these two guys felt so convicted. And you can read about it in their book. Just that sense that like, wait a minute, the people who've been taught by God to love their neighbor as themselves aren't in any way pulling it off. It was so convicting. And how do we reconcile that fact that Jesus said, there's a couple of things that you should do, love God and love your neighbor. And we're not getting that right to any noticeable degree. And I realized as I, as I flipped my way through the pages of this book on, the, on, a, on a hot July day on Good Harbor Beach, that I was part of the problem. Because I've always felt, I'm doing a bunch of other stuff. I feel like I'm, I'm loving my neighbor through this means. And I'm loving, loving my neighbor through the guy at church who I don't really feel like loving. It's not you, don't worry, I'm not talking about you. But you know, I'm loving my neighbors in this area but I've never really committed to loving my neighbors, who some of which can be seen from where I'm, whose houses can be seen from where I'm standing in my garage today. I've never really committed to that. Let's take it back to the scriptures and let's, let's, let's find out where some of this thing started, where Jesus talked about it in, in Luke chapter 10. And we're going to pick it up, Luke chapter 10, verse 25. It says, on one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law? Jesus said, how do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and with all your strength and all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus answered, do this and you will live. Incredible words there, right? Just think about that phrase, do this and you will live. But look at this Look at this little next little verse right here. We've got to catch this. But he wanted to justify himself. So he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? So the first, first guy, thought this guy has, this expert in the law, is, 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 is like, how do I get out of this? He wants to find out who his actual neighbor is. He doesn't know. He says, you know, Jesus, like, surely, surely you can't mean the people who are around me. Um, I mean, have you any idea how weird the, the people are that are around me? Have you any idea how many other great things I do? And in order to just, it says, in order to justify himself, 
He wanted to ask that question, who is my neighbor? He's, he's saying, how can I redefine that word neighbor for our day and our context? And you know what he's doing? He's looking for a loophole. He's looking for something other than, than, than what's staring him right in the face. And we do this all the time. Now, Jesus goes on in that passage to talk about the Good Samaritan, and he actually extends that idea, that basic idea of neighboring to the, the what I would call graduate level, AP level neighboring, of, 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 and, and tells a story about finding the person who is at the end of their rope and, and, and the furthest distance from, from where uh, this Jewish teacher of the law would have been. And I mean, that is, that is absolute neighboring too. Whenever we reach out to anyone, whenever we meet needs, whenever we care for somebody who, who we don't feel like caring for, we are neighboring. That is what, what we have been called to do with everyone that we meet. But here's what, here's what I found myself doing. Here's what I tend to do, and I think what we all tend to do. We take this scripture and we, we hear that, well, Jesus kind of defined the fact that everyone is my neighbor. I get it, Jesus. We're supposed to be neighboring all the time. This is supposed to be a part of our daily life with every interaction that we make with the person at the gas station, with the person at the dry cleaners, with the person at the side of the street who needs some help. We're supposed to be neighboring constantly. But here's the problem, and that's that sometimes when everyone is my neighbor, often nobody is my neighbor. And when we turn it into just a metaphor, we're reducing its impact exponentially. In fact, in aiming for everyone, we can get no one. Now, so, so, so rather than take this graduate level neighboring idea, this AP level neighboring, what if we were, go, were to go back to kindergarten and, and, and ask this question, I wonder if when Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself, that there could have been a big challenge built into that to reach out to my actual neighbors. This, you know, and this is where the, 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 this journey could begin. Like, I wonder if, if you even knew the, 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 the actual names of your actual neighbors. Now, I mean, names is a tough thing. Have you, have you, ever, have you ever heard someone say, oh, I'm really bad with names? Like, I mean, that's, that's a common thing. I, I, I heard this quote a few months back and I wrote it down. It's from Mindy Kaling. Who, now, Mindy Kaling's not a theologian or anything. I don't normally quote her. She played Kelly Kapoor from The Office and it's obviously a hilarious comedian, but she says, she says this in one of her books. Listen to this. I don't think it should be socially acceptable for people to say they are bad with names. No one is bad with names. This is not a real thing. Not knowing people's names is not a neurological condition. It's a choice. You choose not to make learning people's names a priority. It's like saying, hey, disclaimer about me, I'm rude. <laughs> you know, like it's, it's so easy for us to use whatever reasons we can to say, I'm not great with learning people's names. Well, how about, 
How about we change that from, from the very place that you're probably sitting or standing this morning from your apartment, condo, home, room, whatever your living situation is. What if we were to do something about that in the places where we live? Now, <clears throat> you didn't know I was going to do a little bit of artwork here this morning, but I want to I invite you to join me in a little exercise. If you were to draw a bit of a tic-tac-toe board here, and I know, I know your neighborhood doesn't look like this, but what if, what if we say, uh, for simplicity's sake, that this is you right here in your very uh, house with a chimney right there, and this is you in the middle, and you could write your names. I'm gonna write Colin and Liz in here, uh, just so it's obvious what this is. Colin, this is, my, this is my home right there. And what if you were to, to think about the, the eight other homes around your house? Now, maybe you live off in the sticks in the middle of nowhere, but I bet you all of us at some level could start to build out this thought of who is around me? Who are the people that essentially because of where God placed me, God has put around me? Now, what if you could put the names of somebody who lives next door to you. For us, we, we, we know a couple of people whose houses are actually behind our house. So, you know, we could, you, you can really, maybe, you, maybe you live on a, on, a, on a straight street and you could draw, just draw a straight line with, with houses on either side. But, but a lot of us could, could say, well, there's kind of houses all around us. And, and, and after, this, after this, or even right now while I'm talking, you, you won't get distracted too much because I'm going to carry on talking about this. But write down the names of the people, the adults in those houses. Just start there. Now, if you're anything like me, when I picked up this book, I was woefully convicted because I knew that, in, except in just the, the cases of one or two, I knew hardly anything at all. Uh, Jay Pathak, one of the authors of the book, says, you know, he said, I'm not an expert in love. I don't write poetry, um, you know, I, but I kind of know that if you've got to love somebody, if you're going to love somebody, you've got to know their first name. And if Jesus asks us to love our neighbor as ourself, what if we were to start, maybe it's over these next few weeks, you and I were to start to go up to somebody and in the street next time you're walking your dog. And if you have a dog, you've got an excuse to be outside in the street all the time, right? You, you know, you could just kind of wander around waiting for him to pee or something and, and you've got a reason to stand around. But what if you would say, listen, you know, I'm, I'm sorry, I can't believe we've lived across the street from each other for three years, but I still don't know your name. Or what if you, I mean, for us, we lived, we've lived here for a year, a year and a half now. And, um, and, I, and I wonder if there's some, some people, I, there's still some people I could go up to say, I'm sorry, I know I, I heard your name once before, but I'm bad with names. Um, I know I heard your name once before, but forgive me. Tell me your name again. And make a commitment to add it to this. Stick something like this, well, not this, but stick something like this to your fridge and start to know the names of the people who are in your neighborhood. I wonder if that could be your next uncomfortable step from a message like this this morning. You know, there's, there's huge pro, uh, progress in our neighboring when we, we go from, from saying, hey, bud, 
or hey guy, hey, hey bro, to hey James, hey Bob, hey Josh, to actually using someone's name when we greet them. And maybe there's steps beyond that from, from like, hey, I've got to move this thing in my garage. Can you, can you give me a hand? Hey, uh, how's your wife doing? You know, I remember I, I heard she was sick. Is there any way we can help? But step one is going to be that thought of saying, how could I get to the place where I am building up an awareness of who is around me? Imagine if we all did it. This, it's as simple as that today, folks. Go learn the names of your neighbors and fill out this chart. And, uh, and, and pick up this book um, because there are ideas that some, 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 we've got some stuff next week we want to share that I think I'm going to introduce you to somebody who you probably know who is fantastic at putting the practices of this book in operation. And you didn't even know it was happening. In, in Acts 17, um, there's a verse, a verse or two that I want to read here. And uh, Paul is, is uh, talking in Athens and um, and he says this in one of his sermons. He says, from one man, he made all the nations that they should inhabit the earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. You see, God's talking about where he's put people and the boundaries, their, their lot lines, basically. And the fact that he's placed us in pieces of land or, or apartment buildings close to one another. And he, he did that so that when people reach out to him, there might be some handles that they can hang on to. Can you imagine if in months or years when people around you that you have developed a relationship with, and you're not going to become buds with everybody in your neighborhood, but you might discover that somebody is hurting, somebody is lonely, somebody is struggling, and that you can love your neighbor as yourself in that respect. Because you've been strategically placed where God has put you at work, in your neighborhood, at the gym, where you walk the dog. God has strategically placed you so that when people look for God, there are kind of handles that they can hang on to. And, and, and I don't want you to get out of this. I don't want you to give yourself an out. You're like, well, I don't have a neighborhood. I live in an apartment. It looks nothing like this. Well, you, you are strategically placed. If you, you rent a room from someone and you, you barely see them and you, you're only going to be there three months. So what's the point of learning anyone's names? You are strategically placed. Maybe you're surrounded by people that are awful and you just think, well, they hate us. Why would I want to build a relationship? Remember, you are strategically placed. Whatever it is, you're, you're at Hanscom for a year. Maybe you think you're surrounded by Christians. It doesn't matter. You're supposed to love your neighbor as yourself. Maybe you, you uh, maybe you're not where you are, but we should understand that we're not where we are because at my house had the right number of bedrooms or the right curb appeal or the, the right resale value or parking spaces. But God put you in that place to love your neighbor as yourself. And God has placed you in that town where you live 
God has placed you in Greater Boston. God has placed you here in New England, where I don't know if you know this, but there are less people who, who, according to statistics that have been published, there are less people who proclaim the name of Christ as their savior in this part of, their wor- of the world, uh, this part of the United States, than anywhere else in the United States. Do you, do you understand that God has strategically placed you here? With the, with the mandate to love your neighbor as yourself. And today, when you look out your window, as I'm actually doing right now, and when you, when you draw up the shades, I want to ask you to look out your window with fresh eyes to think that maybe God has put me where he has put me for a strategic purpose, that I might love those people whose, whose rooftops I can see from my bedroom window. And it might be that God is going to do something fresh through you. Let me pray with you today. Lord, as we watch that, we are deeply challenged. Challenged that that we are being asked to love as you first loved us. To love those around us, to for this missionary life that we're to live, not even to go too far, but just to like love those who you've placed around us, who are here around us every day of the week. And God, we know that that this is gonna bring change to our neighborhoods and this is gonna bring change to us. And so we pray that you'll give us the courage to take just the first steps. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.